up, everybody? We back. Uh, another R2C2, man. I'm back from vacation, cuz. Yeah. H- how was vacation? It was good. It was good. It's weird to say that, you know, you went on vacation at this time. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was fun to uh, to actually get out the house, have some time, not go to the gym every day, and, uh, you know, relax with the family. It was fun. It's important to still find ways to do that, right? I mean, it's we're in a weird world right now, but there are ways to do it safely. And you need that time. You need that recharge. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize how much I needed it until, you know, until we actually got, you know, to Martha's Vineyard and, you know, got to enjoy everything. So it was good. We were there for a week, and uh, now we're back and back to action. You back on your workouts? I went. I already I already went today. I'm I'm fucking. I'm gonna be sore as hell. I'm gonna be so sore tomorrow, bro. You're locked in, man. Locked oh, in. Yeah. Didn't fall off. I like it. Oh, I definitely fell off in in Martha's Vineyard. I was eating donuts and shit. I was I was all I was horrible, but. It is what it is. I, I feel like you, uh, yeah, I feel like you work out to to do whatever you want on vacation. You know what I'm saying? A hundred percent, man. A hundred percent. And you need that. Sometimes you need to shock the system. Let the body know you're still in charge. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and and then like what I like about that too is it almost makes it easier to get back in the healthy mode. Because when you do that, you're like, by the end, you're like ready. You're like, I'm good to be back. Like, back being healthy, feeling right, you know? Yeah, because, like, yesterday we got back, we drove back, and we stopped at Popeye's just to, like, cap it off, you know what I'm saying? And I was eating Popeye's. I was like, oh, shit, I got to get back. I ended up going for a walk last night. Like, I got to get I gotta get back moving, cuz. <laughs> uh, you, you worked too hard for this new physique. Oh, man. No, I'm glad you had a good time, man. Meanwhile, I, I have to say, I think the Yankees could use you in the clubhouse right now, man. Yeah, man. I don't I don't know what I can do, man. I, I feel like I left them with everything I had. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I, I you know, I listen, I, the pro I tried to tell you guys about the raids three years ago, two years ago. Like, I seen this coming, man. I seen this being a problem. And to watch them come into Yankee Stadium and dictate the action and kind of tell us what they're gonna do and like that's the shit I was trying to tell you about last year. Like, that's not going to happen on my watch. Not why I'm a fucking, not why I'm in these pinstripes. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're not about to come to the Bronx and fucking punk us. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what I could do for him right now, but other than tell him that, but man, this is, uh, it's been kind of tough to watch right now. My boys are going through it, but I, I feel like if we can get into the playoffs and get everyone healthy, you know what I mean? I feel like, you know, we've just been missing so many guys. Obviously, last year we had a lot of injuries, but DJ was was always healthy. You know, Tucky had a career year. Luke's holding us down right now. Glaber was healthy. You know, so like losing these guys, man, for this for this amount of time in a short season, I feel like it's really set us back. Yeah, I agree with you that all it will take is a couple wins and then the health. Yeah, but the thing is, is uh, you know, a couple wins, but we got to play Toronto nine more times as we sit here today doing this pod. So that scares me because that team can really fucking hit. Like, they can really hit. And it's going to be hard to win games in Buffalo. I mean, period. You know, I mean, it's a minor league stadium. And not for nothing, you know, we got a bunch of veterans. It's hard to go back down there. A lot of the guys that play in Toronto – just we're playing in Buffalo last year or the year before, you know what I'm saying? So it's a it's a different ball game, man, when you when you start adding in minor league stadiums and different shit like that. And 
You know, I feel like I feel like we got a tougher road than people really realize. And there's less time. And there's less time. I, it's crazy because it's like I don't know. It's weird, but it's the end of the season already. Is here. Like we're here. It's gone so fast. It's crazy, man. It is. Uh, this guest today is one of our favorites. He's a fellow Rock Nation guy. Yes. Um, Karis Levert, who shined this year at the bubble, played so well. And for those of us who watch him on a daily basis, like a big net fan like yourself, see? Yes. Uh, or a Nets broadcaster like me, we know how good this guy is and, and how talented he is and, and the way he has evolved and could continue to grow. But I think the world was kind of put on notice during the bubble, seeing how he played. And there's so much going on with the Nets, with the hiring of Steve Nash, obviously getting K- Kyrie and KD back next year. And Karis has great insight into all of that. So it felt like the perfect time to talk to our guy again. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like you said, he he went off in the bubble and I felt like, you know, you know, he put the world on notice, put everybody on notice, but people that have been watching him and, and kind of know him as a guy and know how mature he is as an athlete, it doesn't really surprise me where he's at and where he's going. So, um, yeah, I was excited to get him back on the pod. You know, obviously he took some time out to, to come join us. So it was exciting. Also, I just have to say, I apologize for the somewhat dodgy audio from me throughout this episode. I may have had a technical malfunction with my super awesome recording device. And so that's why my audio will sound a little bit different than CC's. I apologize. It won't happen again. I promise. Anyway, enjoy the episode. Here is Karis LeVert on R2C2. Well, see, our first two-time NBA guest on R2C2 is the great Karis LeVert, one of my all-time favorite people who happens to play for our team because you're a Brooklyn Net guy now too, see? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How about that, Karis? You're our first two-time NBA guest, man. Man, it's an honor. I appreciate y'all having me back for sure. No, we appreciate you doing it, though. I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. You know what? See, I feel like uh, everybody loved our, our the first time we had Karis on. And the the biggest takeaway, I think, was Karis's love of Chipotle. Like, I had so many people <laughs> coming up to me. Are you still on your Chipotle game, Karis? I was going to say, you know what's crazy is I haven't had Chipotle in maybe a year and a half now. Whoa. A, oh, wow. Yeah, I, had a, I had a bad experience last summer. Uh, they gave me food poisoning. I haven't had it since, so I've um I've let it go all the way. Cold turkey, man, that's tough right there, especially your favorite restaurant. But if you get so you know you get sick sick enough, then it's like ah, nah, I can leave that alone. Now I put me down a couple of days. I was like ah, it hurt me, it hurt me, but I had to do it. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do it. I, I love how C. I love how you say if it. If it gets you bad enough, like, yeah, like yeah, I mean, you, you you love the food enough that if it just makes you a little sick, you'll come back. But yeah, it it's a couple of places <laughs> yeah. that if it just make me just, you know, if it put me down for a couple of hours, <laughs> I'm definitely going back. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, I know. You, you know what's funny about it, too? Like, Karis, as you experience, food poisoning is no joke, man. People talk about it like it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I get food poisoning. It is awful. It, it you, you feel like you. I mean, you feel like you're gonna combust. It's terrible. Yeah, I remember I was just laying in the bed <laughs> all day, and uh, one of my trainers came in the room and she's like, "What's going on with you?" I'm like, "I just had a batch of pole." 
and she was like, it looks like you, you like about to die or something. <laughs> and I was like, I was just, I was, I, it was the food poison and I was just so mad that I couldn't have Chipotle anymore. So I was, I was messed up. <laughs> I was messed up, but it was like two days or something like that, honestly. Yeah, yeah. that's rough. But yeah, no Chipotle, no Chipotle for like a year and a half. I, I mean, I guess it, 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 it makes sense a little bit too, Karis, because you keep getting more and more chiseled. Like, I don't know whose physique is changing more rapidly, yours or C's. They're both, <laughs> they're both going through transformation. What, what has been the key for you as you've like continued to develop and evolve, especially physically here in the NBA? I think honestly, just getting older. Um, I've always been someone, I wouldn't say always, but since college, I've been someone who's kind of embraced the weight room. But, um, you know, as a young kid who has a, a fast metabolism, sometimes the weight just kind of every time I work out, the weight to just come off of me. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like as I'm getting older, it's kind of starting to stick on a little bit um, and I'm starting to see the gains and things like that. Um, but it's still a work in progress, man. That's still something that um, I'm working on each and every offseason, each and every day, really um, just trying to be stronger and grow into my into my frame as best as I can. Have you changed your diet a little bit, though, as since you have starting to see gains and stuff like that? Have you changed, like, what you've been eating? Yeah, so um, this past this past year, I've uh, tried to incorporate more, like, fruits and vegetables um, just because naturally I don't really like eating a lot of fruits. Um, but I think that's helped, you know, with, like, my energy and things like that. Um, and then I cut out, like, red meat and pork. Um, so I only eat those. I only eat red meat maybe once or twice a week. I really, I really don't eat pork at all. Um, and then, I mean, that's pretty much it. Trying to get a lot of um, carbs on game days and vegetables on game days and things like that. But, I mean, it, it's pretty, it's pretty, um, it's pretty strict. Or I, I would say it's not really that strict, but it's like I know what I like, and I kind of just go to those things. You know what I mean? What about Karis? Because I'm always fascinated by these specifics. Like on a game day, how close to tip do you eat, and what do you eat, and do you then like eat anything at halftime, or how does yeah. that work? So uh, if it's like a 7.30 game, um, I probably eat at like uh, around 4, 4.30. And I have like a big plate of pasta. And then I have like um, some veggies. Um, I have some protein as well. Um, and then at halftime, I'll have uh, pineapples. That's like my ritual. So I come in there. <laughs> they, they always have pineapples on the table. And I get some pineapples. And then uh, uh, that's about it. I'm trying to think. Before the game, I usually have um, – Oh, we have wellness shots as well. I take some, uh, like a wellness shot and it kind of wakes me up a little bit. Um, mm. but that's it. I'm not a coffee drinker or anything like that. Um, coffee kind of makes my stomach a little jittery. Um, but I mean, that, that's pretty much it really. Probably around 4.30, 4, 4.30, 4, something like that. Oh, that's kind of late. That's, I mean, that's later than I would think. Yeah. So, uh, in the bubble, it was different though. Cause you know, the bubble games were, were all over the place. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes we were playing them like early, like late morning. Um, sometimes we'll play at nighttime. So it kind of, you know, it differed a little bit, but, uh, I usually try to eat like three hours beforehand. What about those like nine o'clock starts in the bubble? How was that? Because I mean, I know like when you plan on the West coast, obviously for us watching the game, you know, we always used to those late starts, but for you guys, like starting the game at nine o'clock, that had to be kind of tough, right? Tough, tough, because we not like you said, we not used to that. We used to playing at seven thirty, pretty much, and then on the West Coast, it's seven thirty two. It's just you know a different time zone, mm-hmm. um, but you kind of um, cater your day to that a little bit. So you just kind of just start everything later. So if there was shoot around, you kind of have it a little bit later. You start your pregame meal a little bit, you know, a little bit later. Watch some film, but it's kind of like you're just trying to kill time before the game. So it was it was a little 
little awkward. But it was it was games on all day though, so you could definitely watch games and stuff like that. Fast time. Uh, are you that kind I, of fan? Uh, oh, go ahead, see. No, I was about to say, I just know, like, how nervous I would be on game days, like, starting yeah. a 9 o'clock game. I'm like, yo, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I would just go crazy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I, I love playing in the morning or, like, a 1 o'clock game so I could just get it over with, and then I can yeah. go about my day. You know what I'm saying? I feel you. I think in the bubble, the best game for me was probably, like, a 3 o'clock game because the, the 12, 1 o'clock was tough because I like taking, like, pregame naps before. Mm-hmm. So when you wake up, it's like you get a breakfast. I like eating, eating like, twice, too. So... The 12 o'clock game, you wake up like nine or something, you eat, and then it's tough to get a pregame nap in like that. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's just an awkward time. But I think the three o'clock was perfect for me, for sure. Karis, how about just the experience in the bubble? You know, for our audience, we we had Kemba Walker on and, and he got into it a little bit, but I think people are just fascinated by what life was like, you know, day in, day out there. What was your biggest takeaway from from the experience of being down there in Orlando? I think um, as a team, you know, we got extremely close. Um, and for us, it was cool because we were coming from a lot of different places. You know, we had a lot of guys who weren't necessarily on the team. Um, they were kind of just on like the bubble team. You know what I mean? So it was <laughs> yeah. cool seeing seeing everybody kind of come together. And, you know, we were five and three, a shot away from yeah. being six and two. You know, in the seeding games, people thought we would go one and seven, zero and eight. Um, so it was cool to you know come together and you know uh, defy all odds and go against what everybody thought we were going to do. But it, I mean, it was tough not being able to see your family um, and things like that. But I think the NBA did a great job of you know doing the best that they could um, with <clears throat> you know allowing us to do certain things. Like they had bowling there, they had you know nice restaurants, they had um, fishing and golfing and things like that. Um, so they allowed us to do, you know, certain things. And then I think it was great that, you know, they had, you know, the social justice thing that was, you know, first and foremost, and that was, you know, so huge and, you know, a big topic for everybody to see and for everyone to talk about. So, you know, hats off to the NBA. They did a great job for sure. And they're I doing a that, great job. Yeah. I was saying, I think that's the biggest thing is, as far as like watching what baseball is going through. And watching the NBA, like, in baseball, they're traveling around all summer. It's obviously a hard sport to play. And then you want me to stay in my room, you know, kind of, like, locked up all summer. Like, at least in the bubble, obviously, you're away from your family. But you can fish. You can golf. You can go to restaurants. You can hang out with other guys on other teams. You guys know each other. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's a little more socializing, which makes it better for, like, the athlete's mental health. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I think that's huge. Mental health was, you know, a huge thing. You hear some guys talk about I think Paul George talked about it. Um, just being away from your family so long. Um, but I think, you know, like I said, the NBA did a good job of, you know, kind of making it so that it wasn't as wasn't as bad. I think they did it as good of a job as they did with the circumstances. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Karis, you played great, man. You played great. And I think, you know, much like we saw at the end of 2019 uh, with the playoffs and the way you played in the playoffs, I think we saw people – have a similar reaction seeing when, you know, you had to be the guy again and, and how you thrived. What did you think of your performance in the bubble and what it may have done for you and sort of the appreciation of your game? Yeah, well, I think, uh, appreciate that, first of all. But I think that, you know, as soon as the NBA shut down and I think it was March, I think my goal was to be like, um, all right, I don't know when the season is starting back. But um, I'm going to treat this as an off season right now. So 
uh, that was my mindset going into it, you know, not knowing that it would be a bubble or anything like that, or even that we would start back the season. So I'm like, all right, what do I want to work on? What do I want to get better at? So I think I kind of just attacked, you know, my game, attacked my mid-range game. That's something that I really worked on. And, uh, you know, people kind of saw that in the bubble. I kind of worked on, you know, reading pick and rolls and things like that. Um, and then, you know, once they said the bubble was, you know, going to be an option, I was like, okay, well, I've been working for this opportunity. And then obviously some guys got Corona on my team. Uh, they got COVID, you know, luckily that, you know, they're okay now, but it was a tough situation. So a lot of guys dropped out. Um, so, you know, I talked to some of the guys that were going to be going, you know, Joe Harris, uh, GT, Garrett Temple, um, Jared Allen. And we're like, you know, we could still make some noise down there. Like we we're going to need everybody, but we could still make some noise. So I think our goal was to go in and, you know, shock some people. And I think we did that. I think we got better as a unit. Uh, we got better each and every game too. Um, you know, and it, it was definitely a super fun experience. Um, you know, being like the main guy, um, out there. I haven't, I haven't had that role in the NBA yet. So it was a learning experience for me each and every game. And, you know, I felt like I was getting better at it every game. And then the playoffs is a, a whole nother level. Um, and I felt like I was getting better at that every game too. So for me, it's all about learning, all about getting better, getting 1% better each and every day. So I feel like it was a win. It was a win for myself, a win for the Nets. And I feel like we represented, you know, ourselves really well down there. No, nah, that was, I mean, it, like, like Ryan said, you played unbelievable. And even, you know, to be a young player and to go into, you know, the quarantine thinking like as it being the off season. Like I was thinking about, I'll just think about myself. And and even as an old player, I know like if when I left spring training, I would have been like out of it. Like I'm not doing yeah. nothing. And as soon as they say the season's back started, like two weeks and I've been like trying to run <laughs> spreads and, you know what I'm saying? Like ramp it up. So like kudos to you and hats off to you. It showed, you know, like the work you did, you know, in the bubble. So that that's awesome to see. Appreciate that, man. Appreciate it. You know, Karis, you you talked about the mid-range game. And, I mean, it was on display uh, in the bubble. And I think it's so funny because any of us who follow the NBA closely, like we all do, you happen to play in the leagues, Karis. But, you know, CeCe and I, <laughs> we both follow it closely either because of work, pleasure, or both. And we know the conversation around mid-range, right? In recent years, it's become taboo just because of high-efficiency shots. We want, you know, paint paint points and we want threes, right? Mm -hmm. But there now, because of the ways that teams defend, I mean, there's a lot of space to be had in that mid-range where you can get, mm -hmm. you know, high quality shots. But you had been in a system where it was a lot of threes and, and, and paint touches, you know? Yeah. How about just like, did you have to kind of retrain yourself mentally to say, this is okay. I can take this shot. Like this is an all right shot within our offense. Mm -hmm. I think absolutely. You're absolutely right, man. It's like there's a stigma around mid-range shots. And I feel like for me personally, I feel like um, mid-range shots are low percentage shots because not a lot of guys practice them anymore. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Um, and not a lot of people talk about that, but I feel like, you know, if you go into an NBA workout, you'll see a lot of guys shooting threes, catching shoot threes off the dribble threes, or you see a lot of guys working on rim finishes, but in a game, those aren't necessarily the shots that are open. You'll go into a game, you'll come off a pick and roll, and they're giving you the mid-range shot. Or you're in an isolation situation, and, you know, somebody's backing all the way off you, you know, your mid-range shot's open. That's a lot of times, if you ask any player, they'll be like, well, the mid-range is wide open, but I don't really practice it that much. So for me, it was like, how can I kind of just think outside the box and kind of look at other people's games, look at, you know, the top players' games, and what do they have in their game? 
Um, you look at a guy like Kawhi Leonard, you know, KD, um, Chris Paul, all of those guys excel in the mid-range. And I think, you know, it was funny uh, during the quarantine, the, uh, the last dance came out um, and everybody was, you know, looking at Michael Jordan. I'm looking at his game. I'm like, he's shooting all mid-range. It's crazy how much the NBA has changed. <laughs> but it's like, he's making all his money in the mid-range. I'm like, I don't have to do it all the way like that. But if I can, you know, get a couple of baskets from the mid-range, that'll open up my game so much more. So I think that was that was my mindset going into it. I think I definitely got some inspiration from him. You know what's crazy about mid-range? is like nobody says shit if you make them. Those three dudes exactly. that you just made, they're excellent at it. So nobody ever nobody ever questions their game, but all they do is shoot mid-range shots. So exactly. everything else opens up. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's, that's crazy. How, how was it playing with uh, Jamal Crawford? Man, it's crazy because uh, since I was a kid, I would say since I was like eighth or ninth grade, people kind of, started making that comparison. Like, yo, you play like Jamal Crawford. Y'all got the same body type. Y'all kind of got the same type of game. Um, and then I ended up going to Michigan, you know, my my freshman year. Um, some of the same people that was there, you know, my my freshman year were kind of there when he was there too. They were like, yo, you mind me a lot of Jamal Crawford. Um, but I had never met him before. So he reached out to me on Twitter one day. It was like, yo, I like your game, young and like, just keep going. Um, so that was super cool for me. So I'm like, that was, that was enough for me. Um, and then my brother, actually, he reached out to him one day like, hey, I'm coming to the Pistons game. Uh, I, I can't remember who Jamal was playing for, maybe the Clippers. He was like, I'm coming to the game today. Could I get uh, could I get tickets um, to see you after? And Jamal hit him right back like, yeah, yeah, come on. So he met him after the game. Jamal's a real down-to-earth you know, guy. So he met him after the game and everything. My brother called me right away like, yo, Jamal, he's a real cool dude, man. Like, he ain't have to do that for, like, for me. I don't even know him like that. So I, I'm like, damn, like, that's cool. So, um. You know, fast forward a couple years, uh, he—I can't remember what happened like before the bubble, but I think he reached out um, and was like, "Yo, I just got off the phone with uh, with Sean. Give me a call, Sean Marks, our GM." So um, I called him, and he was like, "Yeah, man, uh, I think I'm coming down there to Florida." And I was like, "Wow!" So it, it's crazy because it came full circle. Because when I was a kid, you know, Jamal was one of my favorite players, Kyrie was one of my favorite players, and KD was one of my favorite players. So it's crazy to think I'm playing with all of them now. Um, but, you know, obviously he messed up his hamstring, you know, like the first or second practice. So he wasn't able to play, but just being around him was just, you know, his basketball IQ, his, you know, some of his stories that he has about, you know, Michael Jordan or just about his, his early days in the league. Um, it get, just gets you thinking a different way about the game of basketball. So, um, you know, surrounding yourself with vets like that is just a bonus for any young player. You know, I feel like teams don't really look at, you know, vets like that. Or they kind of they they really second guess him, but you got to have guys like that on your team because you know if if I was around him maybe my rookie year, sometimes I think like wow maybe I would have been thinking like this when I was younger. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, that's a great answer, man, and I love hearing that, and I love the bromance you guys had going on yeah. <laughs> in, in, in the bubble. It was fun too. Like the couple minutes Jamal played, he he ends up like hitting a three, dishing out a few Crazy. assists. Like yeah, man, it was like. And the whole league celebrating him being back, crazy. like oh, he's like a, he's like a ghost, man. It's crazy. It's crazy the amount <laughs> of love he gets, man. Yeah, yeah he is. He well is deserved. Yeah, but, but for always though, like since like because I think we're the same age, so I think we came out of high school around the same time. Uh, oh, he may okay. be a year older than me, but I mean, I always heard about Jamal Crawford. You know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. and to be able exactly. to like watch his career over these years and to see him get back in the league, man, that was that was awesome. Incredible, man. Harris, would you talk about like, you know, learning some of those things from Jamal 
and, and just thinking like, hey, you know, if I would have had this when I was a rookie, is there anything specific in particular? Like, I'm sure there are just things you absorb via osmosis being around a guy like that. But is there anything that you're like, that that's a specific lesson or a specific habit or, you know, something along those lines that you know you are going to take with you moving forward? Winning, winning. And I would say that growing up, I've always prioritized winning and I've always looked at myself as a winner. But um, with him, it's all about winning. Like, mm-hmm. and you would think he's such a flashy player. You know, mm-hmm. he, he's got the handles, the jump shot. You would think like, oh, he's, he doesn't really care. Like, that's all he cares about is winning. Um, and I think he, he kind of, you know, when he was younger, he was around Michael Jordan a lot. So I think that's where he got it from. And he said, you know, Mike was always about winning. He told me a story one time, like they had pickup in the summer and him and Mike didn't lose a game. <laughs> like they didn't like not a day. They didn't lose a game the whole summer. <laughs> oh <pick-up>. my gosh! <laughs> yeah. So with him, everything is about like winning. Like we'll do shooting competitions, and he'll beat me, and he'll remind me of it. Like later in the day, like later that night. So everything is literally <laughs> about winning. So I think, um, you know, any young player that kind of goes into a, a situation, I feel like you're thinking about scoring or you're thinking about starting. Um, but I think you know, your greatness is going to be tied to winning. And I think, you know, Jamal is somebody who really kind of embodies that. And he really, you know, he really lives by that for sure. Mm, That's awesome, man. How about you mentioned two other guys uh, who were favorite players growing up for your teammates now, Kyrie and KD. Let's start with Kyrie. Obviously had a lot of injuries this season. You two seem to develop a really strong bond even before the season had started. We always see People react to Kyrie. He, for whatever reason, is one of those hot-button players that everybody has a strong opinion about. What would you say to people who don't know Kyrie, just some insight into his personality and what it's been like being his teammate? I would say that Kyrie is probably one of the best teammates I've had. Um, so it's honestly, it's like, it's crazy when people talk about him being a you know a bad teammate or you know the things that they say about him. It's like... I, I think he said it best this year. He's human. Like everybody's human. Um, just because he's a, a greater, a great player. Like he's still, he's still a human being at the end of the day. He has feelings. Um, he feels strongly about certain things, um, but he's a great teammate. Great guy. I think if you ask, you know, anybody on the nets, um, they would tell you the same thing. I can't, I can't speak on his, you know, prior teams and things like that. But, you know, since he's been with the nets, since he's been with us, I mean, he's been a great, great guy, great teammate, great guy to, you know, learn from, um, great guy to go to war with. Um, and, you know, he's, we can't, we, we can't wait for next year. I think it's going to be really special. You know, what's crazy with Kyrie It's hard. Like some players and, and it's just weird, like how he, they get covered, but they can't mm-hmm. separate like his personal stuff and beliefs and stuff off the court with like his actual play. If you just yeah. talk about that guy, like, on the basketball court and the way his teammates talk about him, he's one of the best players in the league. But everybody always ties everything into it, which, mm-hmm. you know, some athletes get that and then some don't. Some just get their play and then some get the whole thing tied to it. So, and and, and like he said, he's a complex guy. He feels strongly about different things. And, and I think people t- always tie that into, like, how is he as a teammate or how is he in the locker room? He's a great teammate. He's a great, you right. know what I'm saying? Like he loves basketball. He wants to win. He's a champion. So uh, yeah. it, it's crazy that like I, I, when I hear, you know, other people cover him because they're always talking about stuff off the court. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I think it's really unfair. Um, and I think, honestly, it's probably because he, he's never really been shy to talk about anything either. Um, I think a lot of guys don't really talk about certain things. But, you know, even with the social justice thing, you know, he's at the head of that. You know, he's never been shy to speak his mind or speak about, you know, what he believes is right. Um, and at the end of the day, he can live with that. So, you know, that's that's much respect to him for sure. But I think he he's very misunderstood and he gets, you know, like you said, he gets covered way different than anybody else for sure. How about KD, Karis? What, uh, I mean, you, you were linked up with Durant a couple of years ago initially, I believe, right? And, yeah. and obviously he didn't play uh, this season for you guys, but how much closer do you feel to him after having been his teammate for a season, even though he was in and out and, and wasn't on the floor during games with you guys? Um, super. I feel like he's been huge for my development. You know, so these past month, the past couple of months, like during quarantine and everything, I was I was working out with him, actually, you know, him and Kai. Kai, not so much, but Kev for a good two, three months. Um, wow. Yeah. So uh, a lot of a uh, lot of one on one battles. <laughs> um, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> right. <laughs> a lot of, you know, skill work, shooting work. Um, and it was, you know, Kevin, I mean, both of those guys are like artists, man. Um, and just how they you know, go out and prepare for even workouts. It's just crazy to see how, you know, locked in and how hard they go every single rep. I think that's the thing that stands out to me the most. Like you would think, you know, a guy like that, he would take a, you know, a, a rep off here or there, but every rep is like a game rep. He's locked in and focused every single time, every single workout. It's like he doesn't have a bad workout. So I just try to take that and implement that into what I do as well. You think if the season didn't get halted, you think he might have come back this year? I don't know, man. I really don't know. Because I heard he was looking pretty good in March. We'll never know. <laughs> I mean, he's, he was looking. He was looking good. Yeah. Um, but I guess I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. That's that's something that probably he knows for sure. A big what if? Yeah. Do you, how about you three, Karis? Like, because I feel like a lot of people when they talk about you, they see you as a guy who could be, you know, a very attractive building block for other teams. I'm sure you hear that stuff. Right. And Nets fans, of course, like, no, 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 no. That's our other star. Like we want him here with these guys. How do you, how do you interpret your game, what you do best and how it meshes with Kyrie and KD? Um, I think when I was first taught to play basketball, I was um, taught to be like a player who kind of can do everything so that, you know, no matter who you're playing with, you can be on the floor. Uh, so that's kind of what I pride myself in, being able to do a lot of different things, defend, um, shoot, dribble, pass. Um, so I feel like, honestly, I can play with anybody because I, I'm able to, you know, have those different skill sets. Um, so for me, I think it would be extremely fun um, to play with those guys, to get different opportunities. You know, when those guys are on the floor, their defender isn't leaving them. Um, and when they're when they have the ball, all attention is going to be on them. Um, so I feel like that'll open up shots for whoever's on the court with him. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like for me, it's just a matter of taking advantage of the opportunity. I think for me, like watching your game and the way you develop, I mean, obviously you can play with anybody, but just your mindset and how mature you are in your game and how confident you are and how hard you work, I know it's going to work. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like it's going to work out sure. because because of where you are as an athlete and you know, how serious you take your craft. So 
I mean, I'm I'm excited to see you you three on the court next year with DeAndre, and I'm gonna be in front row with my Nets jersey, Ryan. Hey. <laughs> That's what I like to hear, man. That's what I like to hear. I got, I got a little nervous when I when I seen that Nash was gonna be the was gonna be the coach, but you know I, I'm excited. Yeah. Obviously, he's he's his basketball IQ is off the charts. So, um, have yeah. you got a chance to talk to him yet? And, and and what was that like when when you heard that news? Or did you have a heads up? Or did you hear like how we heard just off off the yeah, so Twitter or whatever? I heard- I heard uh, the same way y'all heard. Sean, well, Sean called me before I saw it on Twitter and everything. Um, and he was just like, you know, Steve's going to be our coach uh, going, you know, going forward. Um, and if, you know, I think he's going to reach out to you the next couple of hours or so. If you have any questions, let me know. It was early in the morning, so we, it wasn't really like a, a long talk. He was just kind of just telling me. Um, but, yeah, I spoke, I spoke to Steve. I have a good relationship with Steve, too. You know, I worked out with him you know, maybe two, three years ago, actually with KD, actually. Um, mm. And then I worked out with him again last year. Like you said, you know, extremely high basketball IQ. Um, you know, obviously a, a two-time MVP, uh, great leader on the court. So I can't wait to, I can't wait to, you know, learn from him and soak up as much knowledge as I can from him. I think this will be a, a great situation for sure. By now, you've probably heard about FanDuel Sportsbook's world-class sports betting app. FanDuel makes it easy to find and place your bets. They've got some of the best odds you'll find anywhere, and they even get you your winnings in as little as 24 hours. Just outstanding. That's a lot of reasons to try FanDuel Sportsbook, but here's one more. Right now, new users can place their first bet on FanDuel Sportsbook risk free and get up to $1,000 back in site credit if you don't win. And I feel like I'd be using my risk-free bet on my Islanders. Might as well, right? I mean, I've got to be room for them anyway. Seems like a perfect possibility. Plus, there is going to be a ringer mega contest coming for our listeners. So you're going to want to make sure you're locked into all the podcasts on the ringer with FanDuel because there's something awesome on the way. If you're ready to claim your risk-free bet, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and be sure to sign up with the promo code R2C2 so they know that we sent you. That's FanDuel Sportsbook promo code R2C2. Disclaimer 21 plus and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, or Colorado. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In Indiana, call one 800 9 with it, or in Colorado, call 1-800-522-4700. What about, I mean, Karis, when you have a coach like that, who's accomplished like that, you know, who in general, you would think just has respect universally from other players because of what he accomplished as a player. What does that do for the guys he's going to be coaching, especially established stars like a Kyrie and a KD. How much does that mean to all of you, but specifically to guys who are so accomplished? I think it means a lot. I think it means a lot because, um, you know, I think from a lot of players you hear, um, oh, well, he didn't really play when you're talking about a coach. Uh, he didn't play at the highest level. You know what I mean? So um, that's not the case for Steve. You know, Steve was, like I said, two-time MVP. Um, you know, all-star hall of fame. He has all of those things. So it's like, he knows what he's talking about. 
He knows what he's doing out there on the court. Um, and I, myself personally, like I said, I can't wait to soak up as much knowledge as I can from him. And also shout out to uh, Jock Vaughn too. I didn't talk about him when I talked about yeah. the bubble. You know, he did a great job out there for us. Um, you know, just motivating us each and every day. Um, you know, being a great communicator. Um, and he was a former player as well. You know, so he was definitely, you know, a player's coach asking us what we thought about, you know, situations and things like that. Um, and I think I feel like he did a great job for us. And, you know, it's good to see him back on the staff. Yo, the last time I was at the facility, I think it was when you did the pod. Mm-hmm. Um, we were walking out. Was it the last time? Was that the last time? Well, you were there one other time with DeAndre, but the, but the time but where that was the time when we, when we did Karis. Yes, yes. And yes. and Jacques Vaughn got off the elevator, bro, and I fanned out because I was a huge <laughs> like when he was in college is like when I was a teenager when I was a, you know as a kid growing up. So they played every Saturday. Kansas is on TV. So Yo, yeah, like I just sure. I just all of a sudden became a huge fan and like. He was standing right there. I was like, yo, you got to take a picture. I know he was like, what the fuck? Like, but I, I made Rico great. take a picture and everything. Like, I'm a, I'm a huge Jacques Vaughn fan. So I, I was I was happy to see that he stayed on the staff. And, you know, obviously you yeah. guys played well for him. So I think, that, I mean, I, that was that was great. Absolutely, man. JB's a, a great guy. Great coach, but a great guy, too. For sure. It, it was hilarious, Karis. The reaction, like, see, <laughs> see, like, all of a sudden, like, see, like, Oh shit! You're Jock Vaughn, like you know, like it, <laughs> it was great. It was such a beautiful, yeah. genuine reaction. Like genuine. you got to take a picture. Yeah, it was great, man. What has the what has the reaction been like uh, thus far from your teammates to the Nash hiring? Um, honestly, I haven't really talked to a lot of people about it. You know, we're kind of all, um, especially the guys in the bubble. We're kind of all taking a break from each other right now. We were, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were uh, on, like super close to each other each and every day so you know i've checked in especially with joe harris um i've checked in with him a couple times i checked in with a other couple other guys on my team as well but um i think we're going to be linking up in the next uh the next week or so actually um so we'll probably talk more about it but i know you know just from the first couple reactions i, I know everyone's pretty excited for the opportunity for sure yo so what's the timeline timeline like now with not knowing when the season's going to start or have they, you know what I mean? Like what, what's, what's going on with everything? Like as far yeah, as it's that gonna goes. Be interesting. It's going to be interesting. So I think before, I think before we got to the bubble, I think the goal was to start next season by December. Um, so I don't know if that's still even a thought because I, I don't think that would give guys a lot of time, enough especially time. whoever goes to the finals. I don't think that would give them enough time for next year. So I honestly think it'll be January. I don't know though. But I think thinking it'll be January or February. Um, so, you know, this will be a, another, you know, long off season again. Um, so try to use our time as best as we can. You know, see, it's funny. That's the exact question I was just thinking. Like, yeah. when does it start? How do you get ready? I mean, Karis, as, as successful as the bubble has been, would it be tough to ask guys to go do it again next season? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think it would just have to be, um, you know, different bubbles, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think. And I think they've been talking about that. But um, if they did like, you know, bubble here, bubble here, bubble here, and then gave us time in between the bubbles. And I think I'm pretty sure they're already talking about this. But if it was just like a bubble in Orlando for a full season, I think that would be extremely tough to do. Um, But the the NBA has been great. Adam uh, has been great. So I think um, those guys will figure it out for sure. 
if you had like three different bubbles and then you could fly around and make it kind of semi normal for guys, yeah. you know, but, but I safe. Think, yeah, I think that'd be a little better. And, and from what I heard, like a possibility could also be you go, you spend X number of weeks in the bubble, then you get X number of weeks off, you know, mm-hmm. and then kind of do that. But the priority, and Adam has talked about this publicly, uh, Priorities getting fans in the stands, and if if it yeah. means delaying it, right? Because that, I mean, you know, you guys obviously you still have other streams of revenue, and television's a huge part of it. But when you eliminate the in arena experience, that's a huge cut, you know. And I mean, I, I guess Karis, it seems like, it, like I could even see maybe it's a hybrid situation, right? Where like you play X number of games in a bubble because you won't be able to have fans in the stands till I'm just throwing us out there March or something like mm-hmm. that, and then and then you move to arena. Does that? I mean, I'm. Does that feel like yeah? That, you, that could end up happening as well. Something like that. I think so. I think so. Because like you said, they're they're really trying to get the fans in the stands. And I know as players, even money aside, we love playing in front of fans. Like that's that's you know get some guys just going. You know. Um, yeah. So that's definitely probably the most missed part about this whole situation is the fans. Um, but I think you know as soon as as soon as we figure something out about getting the fans back, I think they're they're going to be all in and doing that. It's crazy because obviously I'm a fan and I love to go to the games, but I feel like you guys are way more intense with no fans. Like when when it's an empty yeah. gym, then yeah. I feel like y'all go way harder and everybody's talking a lot more shit. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And the other yeah. bench is getting going, and then yeah. I feel like I feel like it's way more intense. I feel like those games are way more intense than any nah, other games sure. I've watched in a long time, especially like the the C games. Like watching y'all's mm-hmm. games, it was, it was crazy, man. Very intense. And then, you know, you got you got guys that haven't really seen their family, haven't seen their wives in a while. So it's a lot of testosterone. <laughs> uh, so you saw a lot of technical fouls, a lot of hard fouls, a lot of a lot of stuff going on. Um, and then it was it's no fans. So, you know, if you're talking to the ref, you saying something to the ref, the ref can hear everything now. Everything. So they, you know, like if it's fans in the arena, they might be screaming. You might say something slick to the ref, but he don't really hear it. He's hearing everything now, so I think it was a lot more text being being given out for sure. Hey, so what about? I was just thinking too, as far as like at some point you're going to get the schedule back on track, or unless you're just going to start the season in December from now on. You know what I'm like? Because if y'all start in January, then that goes until October again. You know what I'm saying? Again, so yeah. then it, it's, it makes it tough to like get the schedule yeah. like back yeah. to where we had it before everything happened. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. They might do a – I heard they they may do a condensed season or something like that or do, like, just a lot of games. So, like, back-to-backs, like, more back-to-backs. Um, I don't know how they're going to do it, but I think that's the goal is to try to get it back to the regular schedule. But I just don't know how. Like you said, it's in, if it starts in January, that's tough. That's, that's, that's going to be tough to do. And, and then, I know y'all you want know, the summers that, off. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's, that's the best schedule. part of the NBA. That's we, exactly. That's what we used to, man. That's what we used to. And uh, the Olympics is in summer too, right? Yeah. 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 And it's so happening. That's another like, thing. Yeah. yeah. That's another thing to think about. So I don't know, I know. how they're going to do that. I was thinking they probably would have to get your season done before then, you know? So so when did that? When does that start? Mid-July. End of July. End of July yeah. Like July, July 27th. Yeah, like the 27th okay. or something like that. Yeah. So you have to be that done would, by June. You have to be done by normal schedule. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's tough. Or maybe yeah. late June. You could maybe push it to late June. And if you're done by July 1, you're good. Yeah. But but if you do, you probably, let's say, if you were starting in January, 
you probably would end up having to do a condensed schedule on 40, 50 you know? games, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or even maybe, maybe you could get 60 in. I don't know, you know, like, but. But I feel yeah. like to do that, if you want guys to play back to back, so every other day, then you have to have a bubble. You can't expect yeah, yeah. guys to play back to back to fly somewhere, day off play. Then that's how guys get hurt. So sure. if you bubble three places, then you can, then you can play the games quick like that, you know? Mm-hmm. No, nah, you're right about that. I think that was huge um, for just guys, you know, because we, we played a lot of games. We played every other day, and then we played everyone had a back-to-back as well. And I think, you know, not traveling um, definitely contributed to, you know, it was a couple injuries, but not as much as people thought it would be. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. You've seen a lot of guys, um, you know, be healthy. So I think that was huge as well, just not traveling. You know, Karis, I'm wondering, when you're watching all these guys uh, – come into the arena and obviously NBA fashion has become a very big thing. You know, you're a fashionable man yourself, but is it like for, you know, for, I think for fans, we look at it and we say like, look at like, you know, or like you like someone's style. You're like, look at what this guy's wearing again, whatever. Does that happen in the league amongst you guys? Like where you're, where you're pulling up and you're like, we're just getting Russ is the, obviously the, the, the one who kind of like started all this. Right. But like, or at least was associated most of it. But where you guys are like, look at what this guy's wearing walking into the game. How often does that happen? Um, it, it happens. I would say within our team, it definitely happened more when we had Damari on the team. Because, you know, <laughs> Damari would have a crazy, the crazy big, you know, fur coats. Or he had have the matching top and bottom with the super small shorts. Um, <laughs> so I think it, it definitely was more on the team that year but I think you know there's so many like social media pages where you know they post fashion and things like that where I think guys are able to showcase their fashion and I definitely think people see it for sure um but I feel like it's it's kind of the norm now everybody kind of just gets dressed for games and uses that as a way to I guess express themselves I think it's I think it's awesome I think as a as a as a former uh, other athlete you get jealous. Like, you know what I'm saying? You like, uh, you, we, uh, like baseball players, we walk in kind of fly sometimes, but don't nobody take tunnel pictures of us. You know what I'm saying? So it's oh, like, yeah, I never thought about that. Yeah, <laughs> we, we want the tunnel pics too. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah, they, it's like the norm now. When you walk in, it's like three, four photographers taking pics. Um, and they send them to you after the games too. So it's like, it's, it's just normal now. Y'all got that green fly app, right? Where everything just goes fly, straight, yep. Yeah. Everything straight goes straight to, to you. Yeah. Yep. Oh, <laughs> that's a good deal, man. But I was just saying yeah. to Kara C, like, remember like when you're, I mean, it's different, right? But when you're like growing up, going to play a game, did you ever think about that? Were you just wearing like the most comfortable thing you could throw on? Cause you're just like tossing it right off and putting on your uniform or before I got to the big leagues, you mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, most of the time I wear my uniform to the game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't, it wasn't any kind of fashion. And even, like, when I was, I mean, as a big leaguer at home, it was always just, like, especially in the summertime, just Jordan T, some uh, shorts and some slides most of the time. Like, just trying to be comfortable. But on the road, I would always obviously dress up. I'm trying to think. In college, in college, a lot of times I just wore sweatpants, sweatshirt. In high school, it was different, though, because um, I think they made us dress up. I think they made us wear, like, a, a tie um, in high school. Or sometimes I would get dressed in high school, though, just because I was at school, too. It was yeah. different. Yeah. Like, college yeah. was college is kind of a different different atmosphere. High school basketball, we had to wear a suit. Yeah, I think we had to wear a suit, too. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. That might have been eighth grade. But one of those years, they made us dress up. 
yeah. for, for the games, yeah. I, I feel like that's your worst nightmare, see? Suit? Yeah. Not when I was younger because I wasn't fat, Kaz. I only started hating suits because I was too fat to be comfortable in them motherfuckers. <laughs> well, then you're about to start loving suits again, man. I'm, I'm probably about to change my mind. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is, so, so you may broadcast games then? Never. I'm never going to broadcast a game. But yeah. I, but I, I, feel, I feel like I feel more comfortable in suits. But I, I don't have any suits upstairs. I threw all them shits out. Really? So I, don't, Word. I mean, I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, I maybe have like two or three suits, but obviously they're going to be way too big right now. So I'd have yeah. to, I, I got to start all over. That's funny, man. Karis, <laughs> how about a, a, a few quick hits here? Who is the toughest guy to guard for you in the NBA? That's a tough one. That's a really tough one. I think uh, when you said that, a couple of names jumped to mind. One is probably yeah. James Harden. Uh, and him because you can't touch him, like you can't touch him because he's so good at drawing fouls. Like he's yeah. mastered that part of the game. Um, and then somebody as talented as him, if you don't touch him, you really can't guard him because he. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has everything. He can shoot it. He can go to the rim. He's strong. Um, so he's kind of mastered, you know, that offensive end. Uh, you think of a guy like Katie, who's super tall but has every guard skill, um, can handle it. And then when he shoots it, even if you're right here, he doesn't really see you. Um, and then you think of somebody like Steph, like he just, the way he moves off the ball, you know, he's so good on the ball and dribbling and, you know, being crafty and things like that. But off the ball, he just constantly moving. Um, and he's always a threat to shoot. So I think those three guys, when I think of hardest to guard, I think those three guys kind of just jump out. How about what's the most raucous fan base? Like in arena, not social media, because we know everybody's a, you know. Everybody tough on social media. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I'm trying to think. What uh, I think the Warriors a couple years ago was crazy uh, Mm. when they were were really good. Um, I'm missing somebody. Uh, People always say Utah is tough to play. Utah. Utah is. They be saying some crazy stuff in the stands, too. (laughs) (laughs) Utah is definitely up there for sure. Whenever we go to the Knicks, they always try to, you know, hype it up. Um, yeah. And we all we always seem to have close games over there in Madison Square Garden, too. So those games are always real fun to play in. Uh, that's yeah. been one of my favorite gyms to play in since college. We played there a couple times, so I love playing in there. Um, I feel like I'm missing some, but, you know, all, all of those teams are usually give a good give a good crowd for sure. Uh, the, the Warriors have a great crowd. They always have, though. Like, the, the yeah. fans all – well, when they were in in Oakland, you know, it, it oh, was yeah, always. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it might be a different crowd. I haven't been to a game in San Francisco yet, but True. when they were in Oakland, that's a that's. I mean, that's the Raider fans. So yeah, it's, nah, it's they wild. was crazy. Man, yeah, it's for wild sure. for sure. And they were they were nice too. So it was <laughs> they was jumping in there. <laughs> yeah. That was back yeah. when C was a Warriors fan before he decided I, to jump yeah, to Brooklyn. I had to jump ship, yeah. guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, Karis, one of, you're, you're, you're such a smart dude, and we, and, and we love talking with you. One thing I was thinking that I did want to ask you was when, when it comes to hiring new coaches, there's always this conversation about, well, do the star players have say? How much say should they have? What's the appropriate amount? And my perspective is always like, okay, Sean makes the ultimate decision with Joe Sy, right? But 
of course the star players like should have some sort of say, right? Like, uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, of course, if KD hates a dude, bringing him in is a bad idea, right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a bad idea. But there, I'm guaranteeing you there are people listening who are like, no, it should, they should have no part in that decision. When you think about that, to you, what does a perfect process look like as far as, and how important is it for there to be some level of collaboration? I don't know if I know a, you know, a perfect process, but I think that stars definitely should have a say. So, um, and the NBA is, is unique, um, because it's a stars league. It's a player's league. You know, the stars kind of run the league. You see that, um, Katie, LeBron, those guys run the league. So, um, you definitely have to have, you know, some camaraderie with the head coach and then your star players that has to be, that has to be, because if they hate each other, then it's not going to work. Um, so I think that, you know, having a joint effort, you know, with Sean and, you know, with Katie or Kyrie or whoever they decide to, you know, bring into that with Joe Sy, with Steve, I think constant communication is definitely the, the key to that situation. But you definitely have to have, you know, your star backing your coach um, in order for it to be a good situation, in my opinion. Um, so I think, you know, I don't know how they did it. I'm not saying that Katie hired Steve Nash. I'm not saying yeah, that. But, yeah. um, I think that, you know, you have to kind of have that for sure. Yeah, that's how I've always looked at it as well. Karis, yeah. you're the best, man. We 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 love uh we love spending time with you and and man, that game against Portland at the end of the seeding games. Oh, it was so great, man. Oh, I was in courtside for that one, dog. <laughs> I, was a, I was a virtual fan for that one. Real. I man, I didn't see it. I wish I would have looked. I didn't see that. Man, that game was fun though. That game was that crazy. game was fun. Yeah. Are you thinking in that moment, like, because you you end up you you were just incredible in that game and down the stretch, you and Dame go back and forth, and you guys are you're down one. Are you thinking like, or you're down? Were you down two in the last we shot? You're down, down one. We were down one. Down one. We yeah, you're stop down one. End. Yeah, yes, we down one. Yeah. But are you thinking like, because the game didn't mean anything seating wise? You're like, we're not going to overtime. Like, I'm not yeah. trying to like quick get about. This is gonna make or miss. We either. I'm going mm-hmm. home or, or that's it. Like, is that, was that your approach on that final shot? For sure. It was CJ. He played good defense on it. He, he kind of shielded me to the defense to his help. Um, Cause looking back at it, I wanted to go right, but he kind of was forcing me into his help. Um, so he played pretty good defense. I still got a good look at it. Um, you know, I live with that shot. I, I practice on that shot every day, but it was just, um, the moment was just so big. You know, I, I love moments like that. It was, it was huge. You know, as a, as a kid, you kind of dream about that type of stuff. Um, uh, and it was just, it was crazy because Portland needed that game to get into the playoffs. Um, and obviously it didn't mean as much for us, but uh, we were like five and two at the time and no, everybody's like, well, how are they winning so many games? So everybody's <laughs> watching the game. It was, it was, it was amazing for us though. Um, and I feel like, not only myself, but a lot of guys gained a lot of, you know, respect from a lot of people around the league after that game, for sure. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying about the bubble basketball. Like, you guys didn't have to go out and play hard that night. But, you know, right. like, y'all could have easily, you know, Portland needed that game. Y'all could have easily just said, okay, we play mm-hmm. well in the bubble. Like, it is what it is. But, exactly. you know, went out and play hard. But And that's what I think fans appreciated. And I know people like me watching, you know, you guys give up your family time and everything that's going on in the country to – to go out and, and play hard like that and entertain everybody was amazing to watch. Yeah, no, nah, it was it was extremely fun, man. I'm glad nobody on our team, you know, got hurt. We all got back in one piece, except for Jamal, but I think he'll be fine. Um, but yeah, it was an amazing experience. 
Amen. Well, Karis, we cannot wait to see you uh, out there at Barclays with fans, whenever it is, with uh, KD and Kyrie and now Steve Nash. Thank you for giving us so much time and insight, man. And uh, and I hope at some point you and Chipotle reconcile. <laughs> I don't know about that, man. I don't know it's about over. that. Thanks for having it's me over. on, though, man. Appreciate that, fellas. Of course. Well, Karis is great. I, I absolutely love listening to him. His insight on Steve Nash, on Kyrie and KD, on Jamal Crawford. Karis is, he's such an interesting guy. He's so smart. He, he's got a, a wonderful, affable way about him. And he's a stud on the floor. So just great to get to catch up with Karis. Yeah, just listen to him. I can't wait to get to Barclays. I can't wait till we can go back and watch watch this team, you know, kind of put it all together with Nash at the, at the top and, and just see what they can be because I'm excited to see what Karras is going to be in this offense with those two uh, healthy. Team has pizzazz, man. A lot of splash at Barclays Center. All right, you guys know, new episodes every Thursday. Download on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. It's at R2C2. That's right. We have official social media handles, so make sure you follow us there for all updates. New episode coming next Thursday. Well, that's it for this week, I guess, Steve. Yes, sir. Peace.